morning, Calvary Church. How's everybody doing? Wow, that's good. You're so enthusiastic this morning. <laughs> hey, good morning, Calvary. Uh, man, we appreciate you being here, excited for what's in store, um, and wanted to just make you aware of kind of two housekeeping things, and then introduce you to the gentleman we have the privilege of hearing from as he brings us God's Word and challenges us and encourages us this morning. Two kind of quick housekeeping things. What we want to do here at Calvary, as many of you have heard and know, is we want to build a body of disciples who personally and collectively reach and impact other people with God's love and truth. Build a body of disciples who personally and collectively reach and impact other people with God's love and truth. And so throughout, right, starting January, we've had different ways to do that. And a great opportunity today to learn about ways to reach and impact other people. Next Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity to build a body. Next Sunday, if you are part of Calvary Church or if you've never walked into the room before, regardless of where you are, we have an opportunity for you to do what you have tossed and turned for months thinking about. Because what you've tossed and turned for months thinking about is, man, I used to love those Calvary Church picnics. I used to love when I could get together and Calvary would throw vast amounts of free food at me and I had a chance to sit at a table on some rickety folding chairs, but get to know other people and hang out with people who I've known for a while. And so next Sunday, as we think about what it looks like to build a body, part of that means that we're connected and we're cared for and we know each other. And so there will be an opportunity for us to spend some time together uh, right after the discipleship hour. So we have our service at, from uh, 9 to about 10.30, 10.30, 11.30. But then after that, we're going to invite everybody here and, uh, to come and have lunch on Calvary Church. The most amazing, succulent barbecue chicken. I know I said last week it's barbecue pork. The rumor is it's barbecue chicken. You've ever had. Uh, with all sorts of great sides, an amazing autumnal dessert, but more importantly, the chance for us as a body of Christ to be together. So would love to have you show up next Sunday at the end of the discipleship hour for lunch and just a chance to build a body and to meet some people maybe you've never met before and to connect with those who you may have known for a while. So I want to make you aware of that opportunity to build a body. And then we have a great opportunity as we think about what it looks like to impact others locally with God's love and truth for so many years at Calvary Church, one thing we've done to try to be great neighbors, to be the aroma of Jesus to the communities around us is this thing called Trunk or Treat. And we know we have some people new since COVID who may not know what that is, but it's an opportunity where we just open up our campus. And for those families who may not have a place to take their kids that would be safe, um, we want to create that space for them. And so we have trunks on Halloween evening and we have candy and and it's great to have heard the stories of different people in the community who are here now at Calvary because that was their first encounter with our church and with you uh, and with you know, the love of God from our people, and that impacted them. And so we want you to be part of helping families around us and serving others. And so we need candy, and I don't know if we need trunks, but we need candy. And I think we're good. Usually we have, uh, I think... I don't think this is Baptistic uh, exaggeration. I think we usually have about 2,000 uh, people who come through our campus that evening. And so it's a great opportunity to really serve and love them. We need your help. It's a great opportunity to collectively rally together to be the sweet aroma of Jesus. So there's an opportunity for you to bring Snickers and candy and dump it out there. There's a way for you to give money if that's easier for you. And we'll go support the old Costco and get some candy. Um, but want to make you aware of an opportunity next week to build a body and to connect together for lunch and the week after one way that we can show God's love uh, collectively to people who are around us. And throughout today, we're going to hear 
much more as we've heard throughout the week about how, what it looks like and opportunities and people who are uh, impacting others and trying to reach other people beyond Trumbull, Connecticut and around the world with God's love and God's truth. And for me personally, it's been a challenging uh, week and I've been grateful for the various people who have come, our different partners in different environments and I've learned and I'm grateful for how they've challenged just personally, just me as a dude, uh, and thinking about God's challenges and opportunities uh, for me and for all of us. And so this morning, you do not need to listen to my nasally Southern Yankee accent. Uh, you, get, you get an opportunity to hear from Kwame, and Kwame and his wife, Afi, are here. And so Kwame, why don't you come on up? And uh, as you do, um, Kwame serves in Togo and throughout West Africa and been involved in planting many churches and in serving and caring for the church planters, as well as a whole other bunch of ventures. So, Thank man, you, I missed you when you Thank were you. here in 2017, 2017, but I'm excited yes. to be here today. So Thank I got you, my Pastor. pen, I got my note and looking forward to what God right, says for you. So, and can thank I move you very much. You can move it. it. You All can right. throw it out there. You can do whatever you want, my friend. Uh, my name is Kwame uh, Mideko. This is my wife, Afi Mideko. And uh, we serve in the country of Togo, West Africa. Uh, we are here for the conference. And uh, thank you, Pastor Peter. Thank you. Margaret Le Maire, uh, and thank you everybody who has um, uh, accepted us in their homes to eat with them. We appreciate that, and we like eating. <laughs> so we are doing church planting work in Togo, West Africa, and uh, thank you for supporting us for all those years, about 20 years, and may God bless you and may he strengthen your church, and may you continue to share the love of God uh, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, again, uh, my name is Kwame. I, uh, I'm sure that you can see me. Uh, the reason why I wear white so that you can see me. Uh, two things are short. I'm here, and uh, the second thing, uh, I have a heavy accent, so you have to pay attention to my words. Uh, I speak uh, French, some other languages, English, about six of those, and uh, I'm sure that God has something for us this morning, and we will hear from him, and uh, I would uh, desire that you pay attention to my words, as I said, I have a heavy accent. Uh, I'm not an American, I'm from the country of Togo, French speaking, uh, east of Ghana, uh, west uh, of uh, the country of Benin, and as you go east, you go to Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, and Angola, and all those countries going down. So that's where we are from, preaching the gospel to lost people. We've been in the U.S. for many years. Uh, we studied here in Florida, uh, studied Bible, went to New Orleans for graduate work, did uh, graduate work in two areas in New Orleans, and we did work a lot in the U.S. I worked at a psychiatric hospital for many years, 
and my wife also worked with children in uh, day schools. So God called us to go back to our own country to share the gospel. And that is where we are at the moment sharing the gospel in many remote areas of Togo. And not only that we work in Togo, but we are in charge of the French-speaking countries in West Africa, Togo, Benin, Burkina Faso, Niger, Mali, and sometimes we do go to Cote d'Ivoire. So if you know anything about West Africa, most of those countries I've just mentioned are all Islamic countries. And we would pray that you keep praying for those countries. Those countries are in 10, 40 windows, and uh, a lot of Muslims, 95% to 96% Islam. So keep praying for those countries, and uh, uh, God will do something if you stay with that. Everyone, everywhere, sharing God's love and truth where life happens. So this is uh, the theme of your missions conference. Shall we pray? Let's stand up and pray, please. Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to come here uh, to speak at this uh, conference. Father, thank you for allowing everybody to be here this morning to listen to what you are doing around the world and what you will be doing around the world. And Lord, we are here. Speak to us and let us listen to your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. So here we are. At this conference, what we have here is about people. The reason why we are here is that we can win people to the Lord. We can impact our communities. When I came here 2017, we had two services here. Every service was packed. And it was great. And then uh, it happened COVID and uh, everything shrunk. Not only in America, but everywhere in the world, worshiping God today has become difficult. In our part of the world, what we have is we have a COVID police. And they will come into the churches sometime, see what you are doing. Wearing masks, or if you don't have enough distance between you. So it is very important that we, as Christians, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb go out, impact our communities. When we came to the U.S., uh, if, uh, when you leave Africa, you come to this country, there are a lot of things that can, uh, uh, you can be attached to. There were a lot of things that we have cleaved to in America and did not want to go back to our own country. But the Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. So if we're all here this morning, it's because God did something in your life. Uh, John says, uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, 15 says that uh, be ready to give an account, to answer to someone if he or she asks you what is the hope in you. What is our hope? Why are we coming to church? Why are we preaching the gospel? There is a danger in our communities today. 
There is a danger in our societies today all over the world. And yesterday, last night, we saw a film. And uh, watching that film yesterday took me back to Africa. We have seen some of those things, and many of you have never witnessed anything like that. But we have to pray that God will keep working in the world. But this work concerns you, me, and collectively, we can bring this to bear, and uh, that many souls will come to the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to start uh, uh, speaking from a verse that you all know very well, John, uh, Matthew chapter 9, that verse, we all know it very well. I just a reminder of what Christ did, and we will see two examples of what Christ did in these verses. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching and uh, in their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of things to come. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for, paraphrasing, they were like sheep without no shepherd. And 37. The Lord seeing the population, the multitude, he said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So here we see Christ moving from village to village, town to town, and city to cities. I don't know of you if you know any, what is called a real village. Those who have been in villages or have been in mission know what a village is. A village is a place where there is no running water, no lights, no indoor plumbing, and people don't have much. And the city, so that's uh, the, uh, the, uh, the settlements of authorities. That's where the big people are, uh, rich people are, and Christ was going to all those places. A great example of what is happening today in the world. The example of why you send people to the mission field. So Christ was going into those villages. Now Christ as God knew everybody. He knows the world. So the Bible says that he goes into those villages and uh, teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom and uh, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. What Americans did before. What we did before is we take the gospel to the people. We say, this is what we brought to you. The gospel that your souls shall be saved. So we have this, we've been preaching to people, telling them about the love of Christ, come to Christ. We let them be, they are saved, and then we let them go. They are by themselves. Now today, there, I like these discipleship uh, programs. It's very, very good, and it, it, it sets people uh, in a place where they ought to be biblically. So Christ was going teaching in the villages, preaching in the villages, and healing people. Where are we today? What are we doing today? Now, I know that we don't uh, 
uh, one, many people don't want to come to church today because of COVID, but uh, if uh, they are watching this morning, there is something. Uh, when you are together, you can do things together, and you can do a lot. But individually, we cannot do a lot. If we, when we come together as Christians, and we lift up our voice and pray to God and uh, ask God to intervene in people's lives, a lot of things happen. Individually, you can do something, but collectively, we can do more. The Bible says that Christ saw the multitude, and they were like sheep without shepherd. I know all of you know sheep. They don't follow directions. They smell funny. <laughs> and uh, Christ says they, that's how people were. They don't have any direction. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. How are we going to impact this world or our community if we don't have compassion for people? How is this going to be possible if we don't have compassion on people? There are people who are asking, help, help, help. We'll see one of those soon. So what are we doing? When we came to America, there are a lot of things, and we, 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 we like what we saw here. We like what we see here. And we say we're not going anywhere back to Africa because I was suffering terribly. I was suffering terribly. I said, I'm not going back to Africa. I won't go back. But God said, you got to go. And that night, about midnight, I was called at, this, uh, at the psychiatric hospital where I was walking. As I was driving in my car going on that bridge from New Orleans to Slidell, the twin span. And uh, during that time, though, uh, the, 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 there were no lights on that bridge. And I had a flat tire. Everything black. And uh, I said, wow, this is dangerous. Anything could have happened to me. But this is what God did. And as I was praying, I saw this yellow light flashing coming toward me. And uh, we, saw, we, uh, we, 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 we saw a lot of things in America on the TV and all, talking about how they kill people and dump them in very different places. And uh, this was coming in my mind. I said, well, I'm dead today. But this man came. He said, where is uh, your spare tire? I said, I don't know. I've just bought the car. I didn't know anything about the car. And he said, OK, he looked on the back and took the tire out, put it back, uh, changed the tire, and left. As he was going, I said, sir, can I? He said, no, I don't need anything. That was good. So God was telling me something. We cling to things. We're not going back to Africa. We were suffering financially. We didn't eat. Sometimes you eat a day, once a day. So we're going anywhere. But God said, you got to go. And that day, as I walked into the office of the director of that psychiatric hospital in Slidell, I, I tendered her the uh, letter. She said, what is it? I said, my resignation letter. He said, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm gone. I said, what are you saying, Kwame? He said, I'm going back to Africa. He said, to do what? I said, 
to preach the gospel. John 1, 3. That, what we, that which we have heard, that we have seen, we need to share to people. Pastor Peter will be here preaching, teaching, but I know you hear a lot of things from him. Through his teaching and his preachings, that which you have heard, that which you have seen, you need to share that with people. So Christ was doing that. He saw people, they were like sheep without a uh, shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. The word is the word, uh, Greek word is splagma. It's a gut feeling which comes from mother's womb. They don't want anybody touching their children. Even if, if the child does something bad, the mother will say, no, my child will never do that. So no, he did that. He said, no, not my child, not my daughter. She is perfect, he is perfect. That's the feeling which comes from women. So Christ said, Christ had compassion on people. And I saw he was going village, cities, towns. He met someone in John chapter 9. Please turn there. John chapter 9. He met someone in John chapter 9, verse 4. Here we will see this example in another example, and that will be the end of our preaching. In verse 1 of John chapter 9, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of uh, God shall be made manifest in him. Verse 4, he says something very important, uh, very serious. He said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This is serious. Christ says here, they ask him, why is this man born blind? Why is he born blind? Was it because of the sin of his parents or because of his sin? I, I, I'm serious. Babies cannot sin. It says because of his sin or his parents' sin. I know that sin causes some diseases, some sicknesses. But this man was born blind. In our church, uh, in Togo, the first church we planted in Togo, which is a large church uh, now, the leader of the music in that church, the praise band, is a blind man, 28 years old. He does a fantastic job. God uses him. One day I was watching him. During COVID, he lived with us for uh, two years, let's say two years. And one day I was watching, I was in the living room, he was passing, going, doing like this. He couldn't see anything. Blindness is terrible. This man was born blind. And they said it's because of his sin or his parents' sin. Christ says no, that the work of God might be manifest in that man's life. 
And the Christ, the Bible says, Christ says, I must do the work of him that sent me while it is day. Now I understand this perfectly. Having born in a village, lived in a village, grow up in a village, it says, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. Folks, if we are going to impact our communities, we have to do it during the daytime. In the village, this is what we see. We go to work. We, 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 we wake up early at dusk, at dawn, and we walk to the farm. Far, you have a gourd of water with you, with your hoe and cutlass. And I, I, I walk with my grandfather, and we go to that farm, and we will walk, work during the day time. You want to do a lot. So working on the farm, not today you have all those machinery that will till uh, a, a lot of ground, but we use hoe and cutlasses, and as we work during the day, you want to do mo the most before dusk comes. Because the Bible says that at night you cannot do anything. It's the same thing when we were on the farm. We are thinking about the night. We are thinking about the night. That when night comes, we cannot work anymore. Can you work during the night? No, here you can. But in Africa, in villages, you cannot work at night. So we do most. Sometimes when the work, uh, the work is too much, the ground is vast, you cannot do it alone. You ask people, come, let's do this. Come and help me. And you'll do it as a group. And the next day, you go to another person's uh, farm to do it as a group. Now, here at Calvary, here we are today. It is day now. It, it, it is the time that we have to do the most for the kingdom of God. So Christ says, I must work during the day. You have to do the same thing, Calvary, during the day. The night cometh when no man can work. If we compare that to our physical living, I traveled to Burkina, uh, preached there, worked there, and then uh, uh, I stayed on the bus for 16 hours uh, coming to the capital city. We did not drive, and uh, when I got out of the car, the bus, I can hardly walk. So if you see me walking funny, that's what happened to me. I'm dragging this situation for the past four years. So you understand this man. He was born blind. Christ healed him. Another example I want to show to you is also in John chapter 5, where another person, Christ did another thing there uh, in verse uh, chapter 5 of John. This example is serious. It said, uh, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. And there is at Jerusalem by the ship, uh, by the ship market, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In this lay a great multitude of impotent people, of blind, halt, uh, weathered, waiting for the moving of water. So every time Christ moves, 
He moves on purpose. Every time Christ goes somewhere, there is a reason why he was going there. So here there was a feast in Jerusalem and Christ went there. If you go to John chapter 4, you will see where Christ came from, where he was going. He left uh, he, he, uh, Jerusalem and he was coming down and he went to Samaria. And he met a Samaritan woman and he initiated conversation. And the purpose for going there is to win people to the kingdom of God. So here we see this man here. Uh, this situation here. It said there was at the poolside a great multitude of people, of sick people. It is sad that it, we can compare this to today's world. We are like at uh, the poolside as sick people. So those hard people, paralyzed people, blind people, they were all there. In verse 5, verse 4, it says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever first, after the moving of uh, the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he or she had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity for 38 years. When Christ Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? Now listen to this man in verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. I have no man. So Christ went from village to village, cities to city, and that brought him to Jerusalem there. He didn't go to celebrate. It is like uh, going to New Orleans during Mardi Gras time. When you go to uh, New Orleans during Mardi Gras time, there are a lot of things that happen in that city. I went to seminary there. We've seen a lot of things. You see people in nice clothes. And again, you see people very sick. I worked at a pawn shop. They come looking for, they have their nice jewelry or they have their gowns and they wanted to pawn them to have more money to do whatever they want to do. So it's like something like that that Christ went to Jerusalem and when he went straight to a place, he didn't go to where people are celebrating. He didn't go to eat with the people, but he went to a specific place. The pool side. Christ moves and goes purposely. So he went there, saw this man. He was sick. And he was there for 38 years. I'm sure there are a lot of people in this room who are uh, 38 or less than 38. But this man was there in that condition for 38 years. I can very well understand that. Because I'm dragging this leg for four years now, and uh, I don't know what will happen, but this man was there. First question, how did he get there? How did that man get there? Obviously, he couldn't walk. Christ saw him, knew that he was in that condition for many years. He went straight 
his purpose was to touch that man. There were many people at the poolside, but he went specifically, he focused, he knew this man before he was born. After all, he is God. He has power over nature. He has power over every disease. In John chapter 11, he has power over death. So he came, went to that man. I'm sure people looked at him and said, who is this man? Where is he going? He walked through the people, and he went to that man. I'm sure this man said, what is he doing here? Who is he? He asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? But here in King James Version, this is what I use when I travel, because if you use King James Version, you cannot make anybody mad. So... <laughs> Uh, I use it everywhere I go. And uh, Christ asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? I like that word. In other versions, it says, Do you want to be made well? But here it says, Do you want to be made whole? That has a serious significance. That person is going to have healing physically, and he's also going to have healing spiritually. Because I believe that Christ will not heal a person physically without giving him a spiritual healing. So he went there, he saw the man. He asked him, do you want to be made whole? So he's talking about two things together. This talks about Christ being his state. He has the hypothetical union of Christ, the holy spiritual and the body all in one body. So he says, do you want to be made whole? The man said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. People brought that man there. They brought all the blind people there. Those who cannot do anything, they brought all of them that they were there waiting for a time when an angel will come and he will trouble the water. And whosoever first going into it got healed. I'm sure this man was there. He saw many people healed. And year after year, and he will see that. But he was there. It was a desperate man. It was desperate people there at the poolside. They're all desperate. Because they are waiting for some situation to happen, and then they will have their healing and go to their various places. And that man was there. He saw this man, jumped into the pool, come out, healed. And he would say, hallelujah, I am saved today. Today is my day. And they will be gone. Well, that man was there. What a pity. He was there for many years. Year after year, he saw people there get healed, and he was there. They didn't know what to do. He was hopeless. He was hopeless. And uh, Christ asked him, do you want to be made whole? If a doctor would come to me and said, Kwame, do you want to be healed? Your back and your leg, do you want to be healed? I have a terrible thing to tell to that doctor. Because the reason why I went to his office is to be healed. But what would you ask me, do, you, do I want to be healed? 
Oh, yes, I want to be healed. I want this pain to be uh, gone. I put uh, a larrikin patch on my back this morning to give me some soothing. So this man said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. Do you know anybody saying that today in your community? You might say, no. Do you know anybody who is not saved? You will say yes. Because in this room, everybody knows someone who does not have Christ. We all know someone who does not have Christ. Sin has destroyed our community. My daughter is studying in Atlanta and uh, she was looking for uh, uh, housing. So we went somewhere to apply for housing and uh, we needed uh, uh, fuel in our car. So uh, the vehicle we're driving, uh, son Jonathan, uh, Joshua was driving the car and as we pulled into this gas station, it was funny. There was no car there, but the store was open. And I said, uh, Joshua, it seems that this place is not open. And all of a sudden, came out five men toward our car with things in their hands. Joshua said, let's get out of here. They were selling something that we don't need. Do you know anybody who is in that situation? Those people need Christ. But me, being from Africa, Every time you come to the United States, you are like a villager. After three years or a year, you come back to America, something has changed. You are totally lost. I wanted to put uh, coolant in my car the other day. <laughs> we stopped somewhere. And uh, the, uh, the containers look alike, so I didn't read the word on it and... Uh, this says, uh, I opened it, started to pour it in the radiator. And I said, no, this is different. This is not. So I read it was a different fluid. I was pouring in it. And I said my, to my wife, I said, this is not right. So I went, she said, you know, women are very typical. They are very good. And she said, there's an open can in the car, and I went and I saw it, and I poured it in it. Folks, do you know anybody in that situation? Do you know anybody who is crying out? Help me, help me. They may not be saying to you that I am in this situation, but if you study them hard enough, you will see that they are in terrible conditions. How did that man get there? Someone took him and dropped him there. The blind man there and said, save yourself. Are we saying that today to our people? Save yourself. But when Christ saw that man, when the man said, I have no man, he said, take up thy bed and walk. When we approach people, telling them, that this is what. You see, the Holy Spirit is going to work in their lives and they will do what this man did. It will be because of you. They will say one day, 
It was because of you that I see the light, that I am worshiping Christ today, that I'm rejoicing today. Do you know anybody in that condition? Let's work individually. Let's work collectively so that we can win people. Let, 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 let's work so that Calvary can become what it was before uh, COVID. Christ said, take your bed and walk. And there was a man who was in a situation, was shivering, uh, he had no uh, uh, winter coats. And a rich man was passing by and asked him, Sir, don't you have any clothes? To where he said no. The man said, why? He said, I don't have money to buy anything. The rich man looked at him and said, okay, you wait here. I'll be back. I'm going to get you some clothes and I'll bring you some money. So the rich man went to his house. With his family, he was, uh, said, Daddy, welcome. The, husband, the wife said, Daddy, welcome. And they were all happy because they haven't seen him for days. And he, was, he went and ate his food. The children were happy. And he forgot about the man. Forgot about him. And after hours, he, he, he came to his mind. He said, I saw a man. I promised him that. I will give him a uh, uh, winter clothes. He went there with a clothes, with money to, to this man. You know what? He saw the man there, sure, but he was dead. Folks, we, we, we have to save people today. We have to help people today. He took money and clothes to that man, but a dead man cannot wear any clothes. Dead man, it's gone. It doesn't matter if we pour hot water on it. It doesn't matter. Maybe the cold weather was good for that body. But the, uh, the, uh, a dead man didn't need money. Let's work today in the day. In the light before dusk. It is going to come in our lives individually. The night will come in our lives individually. So let's work during the day. Let's go to the poolside and uh, save some people there. Say there's no pool today. There are people today in various parts of the world. You were at that poolside one day. One day you were there. I was there when someone came and told me about Christ. And I was saved. Today, I don't care what happens. Worshiping Christ is worth it. I don't care what anybody says. They say, when we were taking our kids home, people were saying, are you going to take those nice children to Togo? Where there is diseases and this and that. You are risking them. I don't care. We went there. It was a difficult decision. But we're doing what Christ has asked us to do. Perhaps you may not be able to go to Africa, to go to Yemen, to go to South Sudan, to go to Brazil, but there is something you can do here with those who are there. Let's help people here to go to the mission field. I know you are doing it, 
But it's not enough. You got to do more. Do more until it hurts. Christ is there. He went to the poolside. You need to go to the poolside also. He said he must work during the day. You need to do the same. We are in Togo, and uh, we are doing church planting in the Muslim communities. And I want you to take part of, uh, in our work. We need water to drink in some of the villages, honestly. Water. So this, the way we do that, and people come to get water, we preach to them, and they accept Christ. You see that picture there. I don't know if any American would like to go to the roadside during the rainy season, collect water. We need water. And some of those, we dug about three, 200 and uh, let's say 90 meters, close to 300 meters with those big trucks. So we need help to give water to people. And as I was, uh, that was in the northern part of Togo, I was driving from one uh, village and I saw this lady with uh, uh, her son on the back and I stopped and I snapped that picture. Please help as much as you can. God bless you, let's pray. Perhaps you are here this morning thinking that you cannot do anything. There is a lot of things you can do. There are many people still at the poolside. You can go and help them. God is still saving souls. Make a decision today that this week you would preach to someone. At least invite the person to come to church. Or tell that person about the love of Christ if you cannot uh, uh, invite him to the church. God will bless you. He will help you to do that. If you ask him, he will strengthen you. Father, we thank you this morning for Calvary and pray that uh, you keep the lights burning here, that many people will come to the saving knowledge of Christ as a result of this church. Lord, we thank you for the leadership of this church. Thank you for the deacons. Thank you for everybody doing missions in this church. Lord, I know this is your call, and this is what we can do. And yet everybody can do it. We can do it individually and collectively. Lord, we are yours. You are ours. And we thank you for the day, and thank you for this conference. We know that something positive is going to happen. We thank you and ask you to be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Thank you, Kwame. Thank appreciate you, Pastor. Uh, hey, thank, I thank Kwame, but I do appreciate it, man. Um, and thank Afee for being here and great work she's doing with t thousands of women uh, in that region and encouraging them and discipling them. So uh, appreciate it, kind of how Kwame left it for us. Like, so what do we do now? Right? We... we we come to moments like this, we get challenged, uh, maybe God puts on our hearts encouragement about how he's using us to go help those people who are hurt, and we're grateful for those, and maybe God puts challenges on our heart about uh, how we're distracted by other things, and not 
using and leveraging the moments that he's giving us and the relationship he's giving us while the day's shining. And so it's easy to walk out the door and think, oh, it was great to hear from Kwame, and I met a few people, and then rush back to life unmoved, unchanged. Um, and we don't want that to happen, uh, right? We want to give some tangible ways that all of us can uh, do something coming out of this where God has us. And so what I'd encourage you to do is uh, grab this piece of paper. It is in your bulletin. You do not have an excuse not to because last night the missions team put the bulletins and this piece of paper on your chair. So where you are on your chair uh, is this piece of paper and it kind of walks us through some different things that all of us can do now in these moments. And so I'm just going to spend a minute or two um, talking through them. The first thing, and appreciated, right, is what Kwame challenged us with and what Lee last night challenged us with. Uh, what can we do where we are? What can we do where we are? And as Kwame said, and I'm not going to re-preach uh, his great words, but man, there are people around you who are hurting. And you know who that person is. And so the question is, who within your sphere of influence can you impact, right? This, this combination that Kwame talked about of meeting needs linked with sharing truth, right? That, that, that kind of two-step, both-and process. But there is somebody around you. And if you can't think of that person, then you've been hiding in a cave, um, and if you can't think of that person, then you need to pray that God will show you who's around you, that he has sovereignly placed you in your cubicle, in your classroom, on your sports team, in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex, in your retirement home, because there's somebody there who knows, needs to know Jesus, who needs to know God's truth and needs to know God's love. And so start there. And if you came last night to the movie, that movie... Um, I've watched it twice now, and I told some folks, and if you weren't here, you missed it, and that's fine, but if you were here, I bet you didn't leave not burdened by it. I, I mean, I, I almost sob every time, and at the end of it, we had a great discussion, and Lee challenged us with, hey, take some time and think about what opportunity have you missed in your sphere of influence? What opportunity have you missed? We don't want to miss those opportunities. So first, opportunity to think about uh, who in our world and in our sphere of influence can we share God's love with. And I'll ask the worship team to start making their way up here. But now let's think about, man, how can we do things beyond our sphere of influence, right? How can we partner with folks who are out there and support and take a step? One easy but so meaningful thing we can do is pray. We can pray. And so in, the, in this document, it tells you some things. But on your way out, you can grab a tag on the little kiosk that is a uh, tags for every one of the people we partner with um, globally. And you can grab one of those, and what we'd ask you to do is, will you commit to praying for four months for that person? Will you commit to taking a tag and for four months praying for the name of the partner that you've grabbed, and there's information about their work, and you can take the prayer booklet home and read more depth about it? And if we do that, right, then we as a church will be praying through for a one-year period regularly, daily, for every single one of our partners, right? If everybody will grab a tag, pray for four months, will the impact of that be that the people who we're partnering with many of you don't even know, but man, we were supporting them in prayer. We are going to talk about India Gospel League in a minute. We had uh, one of the founders' relatives come, came and met with the missions team and myself a couple weeks ago. She was in town, and she said, when I, we talked about what can we do, she said, man, just knowing that Christians around the world are praying is such an encouragement as we have village pastors who are facing persecution and imprisonment. Just knowing that other people haven't forgotten about us and are praying for us. And every single one of us can pray. Maybe not every single one of us goes to Togo, 
but every single one of us can pray. Opportunity to grab a prayer uh, document on the way out. Pray for that person for four months. Take the prayer guide home. Read about the people that you're partnering with, right? Your money that you give to Calvary Church to support the work of God here, about 20% of that goes out of Calvary Church to support the work of the people who are in that prayer guide. Okay? And there's this great verse in the Bible that talks about how if you financially give to support somebody, the fruit of their ministry is also credited to you. That's an amazing thing that Paul said. He said it to his supporters. Hey, as you support my ministry, Paul says, the fruit of what God does through me is also credited to you. And if you give to Calvary Church and support God's work here, you're also supporting the work of the people in that booklet. And so it would be great for us to know, man, this is what I am helping partner with around the world, and these are what people are doing, and so I can engage in praying for them. So I grab that to pray. Then, as we think about giving and supporting, um, you've heard Kwame talk about, hey, they need wells, and he's going to be here. He's in white, so you can see him, right? Uh, and you'll be able to find him, and if you want to know, like, hey, man, how can I partner with you in your work uh, of this, this wells and this feeding that you do, you can find him. Another way that we have an opportunity today to give... Um, and support God's work is, again, in this, you'll see this above and beyond giving. And so you can choose to select one of these items, right? You have an opportunity to hear what Kwame's doing and consider prayerfully supporting that work. In addition, another opportunity is kind of this stair-step way of things that you can do to support and partner with a new ministry we partner with called India Gospel League. India Gospel League. 40% of the unreached people in the world live in India. 40% of the unreached people in the world live in India. It is the country with the largest percentage of unreached people. And there's an organization there called India Gospel League that is involved not in work in the city, but in the remote villages of India, raising up church planters and partnering with those people. And in the course of the time that this ministry's been around, there's been over 100,000 churches planting in villages throughout India. Okay? And, and man, it's a great work that's being done where there is a need because there are unreached people who haven't yet heard about Jesus. And so we have an opportunity to partner with that work and to do some things to help meet the tangible needs of their church planters for $1, right? You can't, $1. You can't even buy a cup of coffee for a dollar anymore. You can't even buy a cup to put coffee in for a dollar. For a dollar, you can support a child in India who has an opportunity to go to one of these Bible clubs for a year for a year. It keeps going down. Five dollars. Uh, you have an opportunity to provide a Bible that then one of the, and Kwame does the same work. You can ask him about what he does, but you have an opportunity to provide a Bible to uh, the Indie Gospel League so they can go throughout the village so that some of these folks who get to know about Jesus can have a Bible. We have, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, I say it a lot, right? But man, in America, we are city. Have you ever been to one of those all-you-can-eat buffet places? I mean, back when I was like 15, I, could, I got my money worth out of those, right? It's like $19.99, all you can eat. I'm like, oh, baby, you're going to lose money on me because I am 15. I'm just going to eat 142 pounds of your really bad buffet food, right? But ever been to one of those buffets and you just, there's like, a, if you've been to one of those, Golden Corral, you know, Chinese, you, you just have these rows of food, and you can just keep filling your plate up, and there's so much. Uh, man, we have so much spiritual food in this country. We don't, you know how many Bibles are floating around this building? You know how many Bibles are in the, under the seat of your minivan that you don't even know are there anymore? And there are people around the world who haven't heard about Jesus, who get to know about Jesus, who a Bible to them 
And not because, they're, not because we're better because we're a Bible, because we just have, uh, that's a resource that, that not everybody gets to have, right? Um, and for us to be part of providing a Bible to them would be amazing. Here's a picture. This is an actual Bible that was, it's a photo from the India Gospel League. This is one Bible that over the period of a year was passed around to 16 different families in a small village in India. That village heard about Jesus, and there were families like, we need to need more, and they had one Bible in the whole village. And so after one family got done with it, they passed it on to another family, they passed it on to another family. Man, that thing's been worn out. And it's been worn out not because it wasn't taken care of, it's worn out because 16 families poured through that thing and wanted to know everything in there. And for $5, less than your pumpkin spice latte... Right, we can, we can help somebody have one of those Bibles. The, the, the thing went down. I'm a little jealous. There was here a motorcycle for a pastor. <laughs> I wanted to put like a motorcycle for your pastor. But, <laughs> but man, great opportunities. However the Lord leads, uh, this will be an opportunity for you in addition to your support of what we're trying to do here, right? Because things like Trunk or Treat don't happen for free. So in addition to the way you're partnering with us to do the work of God, it's a way for you to do that. Um, and then the third thing might be to go, to go. One of our missionaries, uh, Lee Pitts, right? If I remember correctly, it was at a conference like this where, man, he's just like, okay, this is for me. This is for me not just to buy a Bible. It's for me not just to pick a prayer card, but it's for my family and I that we're getting called out of what we're doing now to go and serve God around the world where there's not a buffet of spiritual resources, so much spiritual food that people don't even care anymore. Let's go where there's not that food. And so we went. And so maybe, for some of you, man, I, I sure hope this, uh, this, what we're doing here today is stirring you to please do something where you live. Please. Life is more important than my house looking perfectly decorated for fall with pumpkins that look better than my neighbors. Life is, life is more than your 401k letting you live for the next 50 years of your life if you're already 95 years old. Life is more than all the stuff and the trinkets we hold on to, and I love that, right? But the day is short. Let's not waste the moments and the opportunities that God's giving us and calling us to. And so for some of you, man, I hope God's calling you to engage where you are. Don't waste it. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Kwame's not the Holy Spirit, but there's a Holy Spirit. Don't waste it. Maybe some of you are like, man, you know what? I've been praying for a year about whether I need to leave my job and go do something. Well, guess what? Bubba or Bubba et? Maybe you're hating this moment because you're like, it! I should have gone to the diner this morning and come to church because you've been praying about what God wants you to do and he's used this in your heart to stir you to something that you maybe not even like what he's stirring you to, but he is, but he is. And I'm telling you, some of us have never left Fairfield County and there is a world so much bigger than Fairfield County. Some of us have never left the United States and because of that, our view of the world and God's kingdom is warped. There is a world much larger than the United States. Um, man, I got this book when I met with uh, that, that lady from the India Gospel League, and Dorothy is here, and you'll hear about her in the September time. Man, I've read that. I started reading that book, and I was four chapters in from this amazing pastor in India. Man, and I, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Because I, as a pastor in America, have so much to learn from guys like Kwame and others here, and 
faithful pastors around the world that can teach me so much. Um, but when we stay where we are and we don't see the breadth of God's kingdom, our view becomes very, very small. And when you get out into the world and you see Christians around the globe, it enlarges your heart for God's work. And so you have an opportunity next summer to get on a plane, and in three or four hours, you'll be, don't hold me to that, but you'll, you know, a couple hours, you'll be in the Dominican Republic. And we sent a team last year to the DR, and you, had, you heard about their work and what they did and how it impacted them and changed them. And so we're going to go again. And you have an opportunity. And look, I'm just telling you, right, this is the truth. You can ask any missionary here. When teams come, right, ultimately, it's an encouragement to the missionaries on the ground because they get to connect with people who partner with them. And it, it makes an impact, but man, the people whose heart it largely touches will be yours. And so we want to provide you opportunities for God to change you in a way and teach you in a way that he probably hasn't by stretching you, by making you uncomfortable, right? Um, I mean, we went to Brazil. To try, I've been to several mission trips, went to Brazil twice with two of your teams. It was not always easy, right? Uh, flying on the Trans-Guyana Airlines, you know, it was an adventure, right? You'll be stretched, but that's okay. That's good. Um, stretch yourself a little bit for God. Stretch yourself a little bit for God. Dominican Republic, June of 2023. And the team we need, um, because it was a little short run up this year, uh, we didn't expand it as much. But man, if you have a medical skill, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, um, you know, if you're a physician's assistant, if you're an EMT, a medic, we, they need you to do some healthcare stuff. So you can do that. We have some work, uh, construction skills and VBS skills. And so there's tables around to visit that. So opportunity to pray. We've talked about that. Opportunity to support with your resources what God's doing you through Kwame's work or in your gospel league. It's right here, right? Um, what you can do is you can put this somehow connected or a QR code and you can did digitally and there's all the information about how to do that and then a chance for you to go and take a baby step uh, to the Dominican Republic next year. So, uh, man, great opportunity, great moment and, you know, I don't want this to be just a one and done. I don't want this to be a one and done because sometimes that's what happens like, oh yeah, woo, I bought a musical instrument for a hundred bucks for India's church worship. I'm great. I'm not going to think about it again until next October when missionaries come. Well, let's not make it a one and done. Let's pray regularly. Let's impact where we are and let's see Let's see what God might do. Let's see what God might do. Okay? So we're going to sing. Uh, and then after this, man, we got some stuff going on for the kids and teens. And then adults will be gathered back in this room for a panel discussion. Uh, I've actually not preached for fifth. Man, you guys didn't know what to do. Your pastor up there didn't preach for like 57 minutes this week. I know. It was like shocking. So grab a cup of coffee. We're going to sing one more song together. So I'd invite you to stand up as the worship team leaves us in this next song. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys back here uh, in about 10 minutes for our adult class. <laughs>